Lord bless you all. So good to be in the house of God this Wednesday evening. And as we're coming up towards the Easter season, it's good to focus our minds on the Word of God and on the things of God. Especially, I'd like to read, uh, just before we pray, from Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom its whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If you have any special requests for prayer before we go to the Lord, please let us know what they are, and we can pray together because he's the one who's at work within us, and he's the one who's going to bring glory to his name through answering your requests. So, are there any special requests? Yes. God will watch over them. Amen. Yes, sir. Mm. Well, God can resolve it. Yes, sister. Amen. God is the healer. Amen. We certainly do want to pray for them. Okay, let's come to the Lord. Then. Oh, yes? Amen. Well, all the members in my family need to be saved, apart from the one that I'm married to. But all my brothers and, and their wives and uh, my... Um, departed sister's uh, son, all need the Lord. Yes. Yes, well, let's pray for the people in Shanghai, China. Yes, ma'am. Next week. Okay. All right. So, let's pray. Let's come before the Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, we come to you because you are the only one who can hear and answer all our prayers. 
The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. And we thank you, Lord, that we can give praise to you at this Easter season, that no matter what our needs may be, you are able to meet every need. You're able to give traveling mercies to those who are on the road. You're able to bring healing to those who need your divine touch. You're able to minister to each one of us according to our needs because you know what those needs are even far better than we do. We may think we have one need, and you say, no, it goes deeper than that, or it's slightly different, and you minister to that need, and we thank you, Lord, that you are the answer. You're the one who knows. You're the one who understands. You're the one who has all power. The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can hold on to you and know that at this season when we especially remember the great manifestation of your love, you still show your love in answering the needs that we have day by day. Thank you, Lord, for your love that overflows into our hearts and into our lives and help us to show the same love to one another and to others in this Easter season. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for what you did there. We thank you, Lord, that even though we may be surrounded by wars and rumors of wars, yet you're still sovereign. You're still on the throne. We pray for the people there in the Ukraine that you will undertake and intervene in your own way. We pray for the surrounding nations that are in so much danger from the war in the Ukraine, the people in Poland, in, in Hungary, in Romania, and in um, Moldova. Lord Jesus, we ask that you will draw near to them and you will minister to them and protect your people and make them good witnesses because you've said we're to be witnesses for you to the very ends of the earth. And so we commit it all to you in your name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. I want to talk about the, the Holy Spirit's work in the believer, in the individual believer, because the Holy Spirit is at work in you and in me. We know that our salvation is based upon that very uh, point. The Holy Spirit helps us please God, and without faith it's not possible to please God, the Scripture says. And yet the Holy Spirit comes, and He is the one who creates faith within us, enables us to believe, enables us to trust. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God? The goal of our lives is to serve God. The only way we can do it is by the Holy Spirit empowering us, enabling us, transforming us from the inside out. It doesn't start with our own human efforts. In fact,
Paul is very strong about this in Galatians chapter 3. He said, you're not saved because of the good things that you have done. That's not what leads to salvation. Oh, yes, it's, it's great when people do try and do good things. But that's not going to make us saved. There were many Pharisees, Sadducees, religious leaders who tried always to obey the law and to do exactly what the law required. And yet their hearts were far from God. My friend, it starts on the inside. And it's only the Holy Spirit who can work on us from the inside out to make us want to serve God, want to do God's will, want to fulfill his purpose and his plan for our lives. The Holy Spirit is the one who initially transformed our lives. He brought to us forgiveness uh, or conviction relating to our sins that dealt with the past and righteousness that deals with the present. What's the right way of doing things? What's the right way to proceed? And our future judgment to come. He's the, the one who tells us these things. He's the one who, t who told us about the Lord Jesus. When he comes, the Lord Jesus said in John 15, 26, he will testify about me. He'll make it plain to you exactly who I am and what I am like. He will testify about me. And we also are able to bear witness because of what he has done in us and in our lives. If it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't be born again. We're born of the Spirit, not just born of flesh, but born of the Spirit. And we are, and with that rebirth comes a renewing daily of our lives, according to Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. In fact, the only way we can acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord is by the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 3. As we pray, as we acknowledge him, as we recognize him as the Lord of our lives, and as we walk in obedience to him, it's by the Holy Spirit. He enables us to do that. Sometimes when we read the stories of some of these great men of God and men and women of God who have served God in a variety of ways and in a variety of situations, we think, oh, if only I could be like that. If only I could achieve something like that. My dear friend, as you walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit, let the Holy Spirit guide you, impress you, impel you, move you in the right direction, as you walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit, you will please God. Because that's how we do please God, by obeying the Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter 4 and verse 6, Galatians chapter 4 verse 6, Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And since you're a son, God has made you also 
an heir. See, we don't obey God because you got to do that. If you don't, you'll get whipped. If you don't, calamities will happen. If you don't, things will go wrong in your life, in your family, in your home, in your job. No, we do it because we're children of God. And because we're children of God, and we became children of God by the work of the Holy Spirit, because we're children of God, God enables us to serve Him in every possible way. This is what God has planned. Look at Romans chapter 8. And that is, that is one of the best chapters if you want to learn more about the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8. First of all, we'll look at verses 14 through 16. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. He's leading us along, step by step. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. We're made aware of our relationship to God by the Holy Spirit creating faith within us, and that faith is what links us to God. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Oh, yes. The Holy Spirit is telling your spirit and my spirit, you're a child of God. And because you're a child of God, you're an heir of God, co-heir with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. My dear friend, you've got a great future ahead of you. And it's the Holy Spirit who is making it possible Look back a few verses to verse 9. You're not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body may, may be dead because of sin, but your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. Yes, we're looking forward to the day of the resurrection. But even here and now, the Holy Spirit is giving life to our mortal bodies by, the Holy, by His presence in our hearts, in our lives. He's the one who provides us with the energy to obey God. He's the one who, prov who enables us to obey God. He is the one who has put his spirit within us. Yes, he cleansed us from all our sins. That's what Ezekiel chapter 36 tells us. But he's gone further than that. He has put his spirit within us so that we are no longer what we once were. We are now children of the living God, heirs of God, living out God's will and God's plan in our lives. John chapter 14 and verse 17. John 14, 17. 
The world cannot accept him, the spirit of truth, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. That promise that Jesus gave to his disciples <coughs> is the promise that is being fulfilled even now. He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And when the day of Pentecost came, the Holy Spirit came upon them in power. And they spoke forth in other languages, things that they did not know, things that they could not understand. God enabled them to praise his name by the Holy Spirit living within him. But it didn't stop there. Because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit that is given to them that obey him. So that we might live a life of obedience, of following him. It's the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. In a few days we'll celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus from the dead. And the Spirit that raised him from the dead is the same Spirit that's living in you is the same Spirit that's enabling you to do exactly what He plans. Because not only does the Holy Spirit create faith and confidence in God, but He also imparts power. The word dunamis, power, in the New Testament, in the Greek language, means not just the power of authority, but the power to accomplish, the power to do, the power to achieve something. Now that's encouraging because we know that whatever God plans for us, He gives us the power to achieve it. We can do exactly what He has said we should do and what He is directing us to do because of His power that is at work within us. That means that we don't need to draw back in fear and say, oh no, I could never do that. Oh, we may have been tempted to do that at times. We may have even done it and refused because we didn't think that we were up to that. And then the Holy Spirit comes upon us and flows through us and suddenly we find that we are doing what we never thought we could do. Like Peter denying that he even knew the Lord Jesus one day. And then just a few days later, full of the Holy Spirit, standing before thousands and declaring who the Lord Jesus is and what the Lord Jesus has done. If I'd been Peter at the high priest's house by the fire and someone had said to me okay in just 40 days you will stand in the public square and you will speak to thousands uh, I don't think so <laughs> I think you need to look for somebody else it's no good looking at me I, I don't even dare acknowledge who Jesus is. And then the day of Pentecost came. 
The Lord Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And a few days later, they received the Holy Spirit in power. And the power of the Holy Spirit flowed through them. And Peter declared, We are what we are because of the Holy Spirit's power at work within us. What a wonderful transformation had taken place in his life, and not just his life, but in the life of every one of the disciples. Oh, I know the, the New Testament, the book of Acts, doesn't tell the story of all the disciples, and I know that some of it may be legendary, but Thomas, who doubted, is reputed to have gone to northern India and planted the seed of the gospel there. And Mark, who went on a missionary journey and then turned back because he couldn't, he didn't think that he could do it. Later, according to the stories, went down south of Egypt and across from south of, the south of Egypt, across the, the Indian Ocean to the south part of India, and there did great evangelism for the Lord. Oh, you just don't know what you're going to, where you're going to end up and what you're going to achieve until you allow the Holy Spirit to flow through you and take you on and take you in the direction that He wants you to go. Amen. There are some who, I'm, I, I'm going to look out some of those disciples people like Bartholomew and others who followed the Lord Jesus. And I'm going to ask them, what did you do? Where did you go? What happened to your life? It's not recorded in the Scripture. And I'm going to listen with bated breath when to how they explain and tell of how God used them and flowed through them. All, th all we know is that God chose to use them in ways that were beyond their imagination. He imparted the power that they needed in order to fulfill the plan that he had for them. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. And they're in conflict with each other, so that you don't, do not do what you want. But if you're led by the spirit, ah, oh, you're not under the law. Verse 25, since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. My dear friend, our life comes from the work of the Holy Spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit who enables us to do everything that we are to do. In fact, Paul describes the kind of things that the Holy Spirit enables us to do. Verse 20, 22, the fruit of the Spirit, or 23 I should say, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there can be no law. 
the result of the Holy Spirit working in you means that you can love the unlovely. And let's face it, in our world today, there are some people who definitely fit into that category. That you can know the joy in the midst of all the sadness and sorrow. That you can know God's peace filling your heart, filling your life, radiating through you. That you can be patient. That's something that I need. We all need patience. Oh, we certainly do. But God is able to make us patient by the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Kindness? Yes. The world's in need of kindness. People everywhere need to see kindness, goodness. People often ask me, are you good? And my regular reply, as those of you who have ever asked me know, is I'm trying to be. And sometimes it's very trying attempting to be good. But oh, the Holy Spirit puts a goodness within us and enables us to live in a way that is described as goodness. You think you got problems? My dear friend, the Holy Spirit is more than equal to take care of those problems and to work in you according to His will. Faithfulness, yes. Oh, there's, there are some, some of our friends that we, we know once ran well and now are not running so well. Or, yes, they run well for a while, then back off and then again and then back off and back again and back off, back and forth. And there's no consistency about them. But there is about the Holy Spirit and he will enable you and me to be the faithful disciples that the Lord Jesus Christ called us to be and that the Holy Spirit is working in us to make us because it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to do all these things and gentleness oh yes you know when you when you're a teenage boy there's no real emphasis on gentleness. Be tough, be strong. I used to play rugby. Now, one thing as a rugby player, I don't know if you know the game, but is you don't want to be gentle. No, you got to barge through that crowd of men, that pack, you got to barge through and knock them flying and, and that's what shows that you're a good player. Well, I hadn't got the weight for doing that. So I, I, I played in a position that they call in rugby wing three-quarter, which means you're, you're, you're three-quarters of the way back and you're out on the wing. And when the ball comes to you, your job is to run down the touchline as fast and as hard as you can to try and get to the other end. And if somebody comes after you, then you pass the ball to someone else and let them try and get it to the end. But boy, you gotta, you, you, there's no place for gentleness. 
along there. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit creates gentleness within our hearts, within our lives, so that in our dealings with one another, we don't deal with one another as a rugby player, shoulder to shoulder, knock them out of the way. No, we deal with each other in the Spirit of Christ. Look how gentle the Lord Jesus Christ was. Why? All the examples that we have in his life, even women taken in adultery. We, won't, we don't stone. No. Go and sin no more. And with a transformed life, away she went. Or that woman at the well. Or what about Lazarus in the tomb? And the Lord Jesus weeping weeping there not because he thought Lazarus was going to stay in the tomb but because he saw the sorrow in the hearts and in the lives of not only family but friends he saw how they grieved and he grieved with them and then came the words Lazarus come forth and the stone rolled away and Lazarus came forth restored to life, restored to health, restored to strength. My dear friend, with that kind of gentleness, Lord, I want to be just like that. I want to be just like that. I want to be the kind of person that you can put into any situation and I can serve you in that situation. So many times in Romania we have faced situations that were absolutely appalling. We wonder how in the world people can live like that or face those kind of things and how we can be of any help to them. And then the Holy Spirit comes upon us and directs us in one way or another to minister to those people who are in so much need. And it's the Holy Spirit that's flowing through us, that's working in us, that's enabling us to do these things. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 2. I already quoted this, but I want to quote it to you again in Galatians 3, 2. I would like to learn one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? And then in verse 14, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. And then verse 3 of the same chapter. Does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? Oh, my friend, we need miracle workers today. And the only way God can work miracles through you and through me 
is by the power of the Holy Spirit flowing in us and achieving what God intends for our lives. It's the Holy Spirit that enables us to do exactly what God wants to do. We may teach a college course or even study a college course on the working of miracles. That doesn't teach you how to work miracles. That teaches you how to let God work miracles through you. There's no way that you can learn how to work a miracle. But he knows already. He already has it all right there. And he can work miracles through you. I told you the other week how the Lord used my wife to raise me from the dead when I'd had a, an aortic aneurysm. And it was God who intervened as she simply prayed. If I were to ask her, um, how, how did you learn how to work miracles and how to raise the dead? <laughs> She'd shake her head and say, I don't know. I didn't know I was raising the dead. I didn't know what, what I was doing. But God did. God knew exactly what he was doing when he sent my wife back upstairs to see what had happened to me. My dear friends, you may not know how to raise the dead, but God does. You may not know how to straighten crooked limbs, but God does. I had a friend, he had one leg shorter than the other. He went to church. He sat at the back, and as he heard the word of God, his friend next to him looked at him with big eyes, and he said, your leg's growing. Your leg's growing. And yes, that short leg, which was more than six inches shorter than the other leg, grew six inches as he was sitting there listening to the word of God. And the Holy Spirit came upon Tom and his leg grew. I, I didn't know him when he had a short leg, but I knew him later, and he was perfectly normal. And on his shelf, he had a boot with the extended foot on it, you know, like the metal plate. And I said, what's that, Tom? He said, that was mine. I had to walk that just to stand straight. Now, look at my legs. Perfectly normal. It was the Holy Spirit. He was the one who worked the miracles. And he is the one who is still working miracles in the hearts and in the lives of God's people. There is no limit to what God can do through you. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 7, 
Paul says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Oh yes, it was the power of God that stopped him on the road to Damascus. It was the power of God that transformed his life from a persecutor to a propagator. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that enabled him to go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit and to proclaim the Word of God and to see miracles happen. Oh yes, I've seen miracles happen just through the proclamation of the Gospel. Not, not because I prayed for someone, although I have seen some, just on one of, uh, on the back of, of my sermon notes, I uh, often record where I preached and when I preached and what the results were. And on some, I have one, he one here, a reference. I was in a place called Luck, Wisconsin, back in 1983, and the Spirit of God came down, and 23 people were healed by the power of God. And I didn't pray for one of them. Didn't lay hands on one of them. They were all sitting in the congregation and these are the testimonies that came in later because it was God. It was the Holy Spirit that worked in power. My dear friends, the Holy Spirit will flow through you and will touch lives in ways that you could not even imagine because that's the way the Holy Spirit works. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verses 6 and 7, words I'm sure that you know very well already, but let me remind you of what the Scripture says. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Oh yes, Paul acknowledged the part that he had played. He'd laid hands on them. He had prayed for them that they would receive the power uh, or the gift of God. And we need to receive that gift of God. We need not just the regeneration by the Holy Spirit, the renewing by the Holy Spirit, the being born again by the Holy Spirit that transforms us from the inside, but also we need the power, the dunamis, that Jesus promised his disciples. He said... Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with that dunamis from on high. And that will make you effective witnesses for me wherever you go. And so they received. And so they went forth. And so they transformed their world from what it was to what God wanted it to be. Yes, it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to do what we are to do. And that Spirit that He has given us is a Spirit of power, a Spirit to achieve, a Spirit of love, 
Yes. That's in our attitude towards others. And a spirit of self-discipline, that's in our attitude towards ourselves. Boy, do we need more self-discipline at times. We need the, the Holy Spirit to work in these ways. Yes, we acknowledge we need the Holy Spirit for power to achieve things. But to show love? Yes. That's what First John chapter 4 reminds us of. That's how we are able to love one another, by the Holy Spirit that's living in us. First John chapter 4 and verse 12. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. Friend, do you find it hard to love some people? Well, the Holy Spirit can enable you to love the most unlovely people that you encounter in your family, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in the shops, wherever you go on the street, driving that car that cuts you off. Yes, God can enable you to show love to the most unlovely kind of people by his Holy Spirit. He will enable you to love others the way that God wants us to love. Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. My dear friend, this world needs to see love more than it needs almost anything else. All the advances of medical science have meant that a lot of sicknesses and diseases can be dealt with at the hospital, by the, in the doctor's office. They have the power. They've got the They've got the different potions that can be used to help people with their physical maladies. But love? Nobody's yet come up with a, a potion or a pill that enables you to love the unlovely. Ah, uh, but we don't need it. The Holy Spirit fills us with the love of God so that in God's way, in like God, we can love others, love even the unlovely. I never was able to understand how God could love someone like me. Never could understand that. But he did. And he redeemed me and changed me. And I can't understand how God can love others through me. But he can, and he does, because he has made you a channel of his love to a world that needs desperately to see and know love in these days. 
And at this Easter time, what a time to manifest the love of God. Maybe there's somebody that you're thinking of right now and thinking, hmm, I don't know if I could ever love that person. I don't know. I mean, there's some people who are very lovable. They're easy to love. But there are some people who are not easy to love. How could you love that person? You've got them in mind, haven't you? Oh, yes. You're thinking of that person. You're thinking, yeah, I can think of him. Well, I want you to hold that person in mind. And right now, as we go to prayer, I want you to pray for that person that God will give you an opportunity to either speak or show love to that person, that they might come to know the love of Christ that will transform their lives and make them vehicles, channels of love to others. My dear friend, we all need self-discipline. We all need that self-control. We all long for that miracle-working power. But do we all want to love others the way that Christ loved us?